Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. You and I are always on assignment. We're going to kind of learn a little bit more about that today, but you and I are always on assignment, always. Um, give you just a kind of a, a little illustration. I, well, it's not really an illustration. It's a life, real life thing. Uh, I was supposed to go to Walmart to exchange something for my wife and they didn't have it over here in, in Daphne and I was going to go by the one in Robertsdale because I was going to have a, I had a meeting down there. Something came up. I didn't go down there and, um, you know, I just missed it. So the next day I'm like, I'll, I've, I've got another meeting over there and why well, it's actually in Loxley and I'm going to go, I'll just swing by Robertsdale. I'm in there. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I went and got what I thought, because my wife didn't answer her, her text message fast enough for me, because she's at work while I'm trying to text her. So I just got my best idea of what she wanted. And in typical Shay fashion, she texts me back the pictures that I sent, saying, do you see it in any of these pictures, of these three or four pictures that I sent you? And she's like, it's right in front of your face. Well, I didn't buy that one. I had already bought one at least twice the amount of what she bought because I always want the more expensive stuff. You know, I already bought all of that. Why am I telling you all this? Because it's, it's going to end up somewhere. So I should have been on out of the store. But as I'm going out of the store, I'm looking at my text message and I'm like... <clears throat> I got to go around, get, a, get the hair dryer, go re- return the $30 one that I got for the whatever $14 one that she wanted. And I, so I, I should have been out of there. Plus, I should have come the day before. Are you following me? And as I am rounding the corner in that store, I come in contact with a person. I don't know if I've seen that person in 15 years. And... As I, I'm like, hey, how are you? You know, they got a little one with them now. I'm like, oh, you know, they're so cute. And I'm like, and, and I look at her and I, I see that she's about to cry. And I, I just said, how are you doing? And, you know, that somebody that's on the verge of crying, that's like the water faucet. You just turn it on and, oh, God, now she's gushing. In the middle of Walmart. And so, um, we're, we're at one of the end caps there, and I, and I said, come on, let's just step right around here for a minute. And we just had a Holy Ghost moment right there in Walmart where God gave me a word for this, for this person, and this is what I said to them at the end of that. I said, think about how much God loves you. Now, I didn't go through all the details that I just went through with you. I didn't have time for all of that in Walmart, but I said, think about how much God loves you. I said, I was supposed to come yesterday, but something happened and I came today. And I said, and I was actually would have, if I had gotten the right thing, I would have been out of here uh, probably 15 minutes ago. 
But God wanted mine and your path to cross because he loves you enough that he heard your cry, as David said. He heard your cry. And that was an opportunity for me to be a reflection of his glory in Walmart. And I wasn't planning it because we're always on assignment. And that, that, that's not just preacher stuff happened. That's people stuff that happens. God will do that for you. He's, he's got people that are your assignment, and all we have to do is perk up and say, God, what's my assignment today? Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be going, and um, I'm starting a new series today, Ephesians chapter 4, um, and this new series is called The Healthy Church, The Healthy Church. I don't know if you've ever been a part of an unhealthy church, but I have. Destiny at times has been unhealthy. Um, Man, I was just a dummy. You know, Shay, Shay's dad, he was like old Sanford and son. He would be like Fred Sanford. I'm, I'm not lying. He, we had this little thing that we did with each other. And he had walked through the house. And uh, I'd be sitting there and I'd look at him. I'd be in his chair, you know, because I know it's going to get him riled up. So I'm in his chair. And he would, he would look, turn, walk through and he would go, you big dummy. And he'll walk on. I'm telling you, when I started Destiny Church, I had church planning experience. And I'm going to tell you how dumb I was. I was so dumb. <laughs> there you go. I was so dumb that I thought we were going to have a perfect church. We ain't having none of that stuff at Destiny Nope, 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 nope. We are not having that mess at our church. I, I really believe that. I truly believed this will be the church to end all churches. I truly believed it, man. I thought that Destiny Church would be absolute utopia. And that everybody, I would love everybody, and everybody would love me. Now, I do love everybody. I don't know if everybody loves me. But I do love everybody because we're mandated to do it. But I don't like everybody. I ain't lying. I don't like people. And I just started telling people I don't like folks. Because he, you can't hide a lie from him. You, you can't. But... I, I truly thought, man, we're going to all love each other. We're going to be lovey-dovey. We're going to like each other. Ain't nobody ever going to disagree. We're going to have, mm, it's just going to be perfect. But you can't have a perfect church with people because we aren't perfect. None of us, me, you, nobody. We are not perfect. We're being perfected in him, but we are not perfect. And I don't care how much training you do. I do not care how much leadership training you do. I don't care how you cull your people. You know what? You, you know what culling your people are, right? We call that membership class. <laughs> that's, when, that's when you call them folks. It's like, hey, man, here's what we are. If you ain't in it, there's 18 churches on this street alone you can go to. We try to call folks out. But I don't care what kind of filter you got. You cannot call folk out. You can't. You can't. They will sneak in. They will sneak in. I mean, that's what the book of Jude. 
He said, man, they done snuck up in him unaware. They snuck in unaware. While you guys are doing the work of the ministry, you are still operating in discernment, you know, spiritual gifts flowing. And I, listen, listen, listen. Sometimes when I say stuff like this, people are like, preacher, you give too much credit to the devil. I give credit where credit is due. Jesus didn't call him the weak man. The, the, the apostles didn't call him the weak man. They called him the strong man. Beware, your adversary walks about, not as a little sheep, a roaring lion. As, like, not really, but man, he, he's, he's got some power. Now, he's not all powerful. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You know, we, we get all that. But a lot of times, we don't give the enemy credit because the enemy is powerful and cunning. The scripture says in Genesis that he was the most crafty, the most subtle of all creatures when he, when he possessed that serpent. We come in here and we think, oh, the glory of your presence there ain't no devil that can infiltrate this well you a lie i mean he has access to heaven to a degree are, are you following me i didn't make that up somehow i don't even understand it he has access to heaven because he has he goes and he is the accuser of the brethren. Now, I don't fully understand that, and I ain't going to get hung up in that. But I can tell you this, that you can be having a Holy Ghost moment, and the enemy is somewhere up in here. You know why? Because I've given you access to this house. Somebody opened the door for you. Hmm. And we can't control what you bring up in here. Like, we don't know what spirits you bring up in here. Man, I, I, I have, I'm careful now. I, sometimes I still do it, but I used to say this. Hey, how are you doing? So glad to see you today. Make yourself at home. I don't say that anymore. I don't say that anymore. Because when I say that, I give them legal access to this house. Man, if I don't discern a demon in you, if I don't discern a spirit in you, and I say, come on in, make yourself at home. Have your run of the place. Well, thank you. Just gained legal access. So we have to be very intent on protecting our culture, our environment, the kingdom culture that we have worked hard. I'm telling you what. Over the years, I have seen dissension. I have seen witchcraft in this house. I have seen it up close and personal. It has been here and I didn't know it. I've seen it. Some of you have seen it. Man, we got to protect our house. My God, I guess I ain't going to church. No, 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 no. See, I look at myself and I'm a healthy person. But I get sick. Do you? But I look at myself, and I'm a healthy person, but there are times when I get sick. Just because you're going through a sickness does not mean that you're an unhealthy person. And, and we talk about uh, physical health, but spiritual health as well. Emotional health as well. There have been times in my life where I have not been emotionally healthy. 
So what do I do? What did I do? I go to, to some of my overseers and I present myself to them. And I said, man, I need you to know the kind of thoughts I've been having because I need somebody to call and check on me. I don't want somebody reading about me like they re- read about some of these other preachers. Man, they caught him with his pants down around his ankles or, you know, found him in his office uh, with a revolver. I don't want you to read about me like that so that when I've been to those places where I've been emotionally unhealthy, I don't know if you think I go to folks, but I go to folks and I'm like, hey, I need you to check on me. I need you to keep me healthy. Help me not get to a place of unhealthiness. Because what will happen in that unhealthiness, listen, I ain't got anybody to fill this pulpit every week. Now, I've got people who can, I've got people who will, but I'll tell you what, because of some of the things that I've been through, I don't trust everybody and just anybody, so ain't everybody and anybody going to get up here. Man, I'm telling you, I've been in places where they would bring an evangelist in who thought he was a prophet, comes in, messes the church up, and it'll take you three months to, to fix. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't want to get too much in his business, but because we are brothers in the Lord, that very thing happened to, pass, uh, to Apostle Isaiah in Nigeria. There was a young man who went over and uh, began to sow discord. I'm telling you, man. I'm like, Isaiah, why didn't you get up and sit his tail down? I was just being gentle, just being gentle, just being gentle. Well, you being gentle for 14 days because he's got to be over there for 14 days. I would have put his butt on a plane. I'll put him out. I don't know where you're going to go. You're the only white person for about 1,500 miles. I'm telling you. I ain't lying. Shay and I were over there for 14 days. Only other white person I saw was Shay. And she's white enough for three people. Uh, I love your porcelain skin, baby. But think about it. Think about the power of the enemy. Isaiah is one of the mightiest men of God that I know. The devil flew across the Atlantic with him, flew from Lagos to Wari with him, got up in his church, had the nerve, the nerve to go to the pulpit and say, everything the man of God just said to you is incorrect. Oh, mm, Jesus. Nope. Sit down, sit down, sit down. Anybody ever do that? Man, you better be up here. No, no, my friend, you need to sit down. You need to sit down. And how did that happen? How did that happen? Because the enemy can get inside very subtly, and we not know about it. So we want to be a part of a healthy church, a healthy church. But everybody's got their own idea of what health is. Everybody's got their own idea. You know, we, we on the keto diet and we on the frito, I'm on the frito diet. I don't know what y'all on, but everybody's got their, what they believe spiritually. So it doesn't matter what I believe. It doesn't matter what you believe. What does the word say? What does the word of the living God say about a healthy church? Church is going to get sick sometimes. 
Church is going to have to work through some stuff, just like we have to work through stuff in our physical, mental, and emotional bodies. Doesn't mean that we're unhealthy as a culture. It just means a virus has infiltrated, and we know who the antibiotic is. Amen? You know, we, we know. So in this thing called the healthy church, I want us to look at a he- what, what the word says about a healthy church. Because we need to be a part of a healthy church. We need to be a part of a church that is doing things the way the scripture says to do them. All right. So let's read Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read down to uh, verse 16. Get your pens ready, man. Buckle up, because this is going to be a lot of information. I, I love this kind of stuff because, like, I'm a teacher uh, in a lot of ways. I'm a, I, you know, I am a teacher. I don't need to try to say in a lot of ways. I'm a teacher. And so there's, there's going to be a lot of information transfer, but I do not just want it to be information that gets here. It needs to be transformation into our life. All right, so get your pen, something. There's a pen right in front of you. If you don't have one, write in your Bible. It's, it's not, this, this right here is a workbook. Fill in the blank. Add your own blank, all right? Verse four, one, chapter four, Ephesians. Therefore, I, Paul is speaking. Wait, let me stop. He's writing this book to the Ephesians, the church at Ephesus. He went there and planted that church. Felt called of God to go there and plant that church. It's one of the most evil cities in uh, the, the Middle East. All right? He puts, man, a wet behind his ears preacher at that church to lead it. Like, did you not have anybody more experienced on your team? But he places this young guy, Timothy, there. But he's watched his life. He knows his life. He places him there. He ain't perfect. He got a lot of growing to do. But tag, you're it. All right, so this is who he's writing to. He's writing to Ephesus. And so he says, verse one, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. In other words, what he's saying right there, I'm a prisoner. I'm so bound to Christ. I'm so bound to my work in the Lord that it's almost like I'm a prisoner. Not in a bad way, but, you know, I'm bound to it. I don't know why I chose prisoner. I probably would have chose a different word, but the Holy Ghost didn't choose me to write it, you know? And so he says, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead. Somebody say lead. To lead a life. Who's he talking to? Ephesus. The, the, the church. So if we have this, he's talking to us. He says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Who's calling? You're calling, you're calling. He says, for you have been called by God. I want you to think about that. He's saying, hey, I want you to lead a life, not live a life, lead a life. So you're a leader. I ain't got no position in the church, preacher. No, you got a position, it's lead your life, lead your home, lead yourself, and then lead your family. So you're a leader. He says, lead a life worthy of your calling. What calling? For you have been called by God. I'm called. You're called. There is a calling. What's the call, Pastor Rife? 
Well, there's a general call and there's a specific call. There's a general call to us all. It's to go and make disciples. And it's not just one call. That's the great commission, the overarching commission. But there's plenty of calls. There's call to go do good. There's call to encourage one another. There's a call to be a servant to each other. There's a call to, you know, to uh, seek the gift. There's lots of calls. And he says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. All right, so get the picture now. He's back to, to, to almost bondage in a way. Uh, he's, he's back to like bind yourself with peace. Like I'm bound, I'm a prisoner unto the Lord and serving my call. It's like bind yourselves to one another. Oh my God. If the church of the living God could ever get that, we need that call right now in the body of Christ more than ever because we are not bound to one another. I could get off on a soapbox. Jesus, help me not to get on it today. But I could get off on a soapbox about how people don't stay nowhere anytime long. I mean, it's hippity hop, hippity hop. Here comes Peter Cottontail, hopping down the bunny trail, hippity hoppity, going to a new church today. You know, I'm like, man, you need to get somewhere and sit your tail down. You following so many voices, you don't even know what voice to follow. Come on now. I'm just going to tell you, you ain't getting with me. I, I, I ain't just getting with anybody. The Lord told me a long time ago, man, I'll be trying to connect with everybody. Why? Because I'm a loving person and I'm, a, and I'm a relational person. And I'd be trying to connect with everybody. And I'd be like, man, why ain't this working out? Well, you know, I'd love to be their, you know, buddy, friend, mentor, whatever, let, let them mentor me. And it just didn't work out. Just didn't work out. And I, one day I heard the Holy Spirit say, stop trying to connect to everybody. You don't need to be connected to some of these people. Stop trying to connect to everybody. You connect to kingdom connections. Kingdom-minded people. That's who you need to connect with. And so here we are. He's saying, man, you need to be bound together in peace. We, there needs to be a binding, a bonding agent in our, in our world as believers. And, and this, man, this stuff are hopping off everywhere. It's, this is nothing new. I had an aunt that she was in a different church every week. Didn't serve nowhere. But man, she could break open some discussions. Let's, 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 let's debate tithing. I don't want to debate tithing. If it's wrong, I'm going to get to heaven and I'm just going to be done. Gave a lot of money to the kingdom. What's wrong with you? doesn't matter if, it, if it's right or wrong. What matters, my friend, is just do the right thing. I'm telling you what, y'all, man, it ain't never, 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 never wrong to give to God. Never wrong. Listen, we need, we need some bonding agent in the Bible today, in the body of, not in the Bible, in the body today. You got to get somewhere. You got to get connected with somebody. But listen, if you're trying to connect with everybody, you ain't connecting with anybody. Right. Let's go back here. Because he said, bind yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. 
There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, a Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he's given each one of us a special gift. Like, he's given each one of us a special gift. Now, although he's talking to a specific body, we know this for, 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 is for the church today because Paul says again in Corinthians, he says again to every believer, to every believer, there is given a gift. Every believer has at least one gift. Doesn't mean that you're limited to one gift, but you have at least one gift. And he will give it to you, and it'll be something that it may be that God in endows you with that power and and gifting for that moment and you don't operate in it you know you just don't operate in the gift of healing or this or that or the other you know all the time but maybe in this one instance the power of the holy spirit and the gift of healing comes upon you and somebody is healed all right you follow me all right so anyway he says to each of us has been given a gift and uh let me get back to my place now Seven, all right, thank you. Verse eight, that's why the scriptures say that when he ascended to the heights, he led the captives, uh, a crowd of captives, and he gave gifts to his people. So it's, it's talking about these gifts. These gifts are charismata, the Greek word charismata. That means the gifts of the spirit, the supernatural gifts of the spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, which you've seen here, some of those this morning, um, healing, faith, miracles. Um, and so in verse nine, it says, notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ, who also descended to our lowly world, And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. All right, so I'm going to stop there for a second. So it's almost like Paul, you know, he's like me, man. he's, He's talking about the church and unity and all of these things, and he's trying to talk about gifts, but but he digresses. And all of a sudden, he's over here talking about Jesus, and he just gets carried away. Bragging on Jesus. I'm telling you what, church, there's one body. There's one baptism. There's one Lord. Uh, We all have a gift and we all operate as one in the gifts. You know, I mean, he's just going on about it. And then he kind of comes back to where he was about gifts. In verse 11, he says, now these are the gifts Christ gave. Who gave them? Christ. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, And the pastors and teachers, can I just pause here? Because I'm not going to mention this a lot. A lot of teachers, preachers, whoever are out there uh, saying that, you know, well, there are really four gifts. You know, there's the pastor, teacher. Listen, I'm just going to tell you that, that no, no, nobody, nope. It's apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Pastor and teacher are different. They can overlap, just as many of the gifts can overlap. But those in the Greek are combined by a conjunction. Are you following me? So they're separate. They're not the same. All right? That's just a little thing, and it's not a heaven or hell debate. You know, like, it's not an issue. We're going to heaven or hell if 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 you believe. But I'm telling you, if you believe that, that's wrong. There are five gifts. He he clearly, emphatically lays it out right here. And then he says in verse 12, he says their responsibility, whose responsibility? All those positions. 
all those giftings and callings. Their position, their responsibility, in other words, is to equip God's people to do his work. To Wait, huh? To equip God's people? So they're equipping God's people to do the work of the ministry? To build, I thought that was a preacher's job. Huh. Because that's all I've seen mostly in my ministry. So hang on now. He says... Their responsibility is to, to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. So, man, they're supposed, the people are supposed to be building up the church? The body of Christ? And then it says, this will continue until. So all of that equipping is going to continue until. Let's see when that's going to end. We all come to such unity. Oh, well, we already there. We in, you, the church is in unity. Wouldn't you agree? My God. How more unified can we get? Uh, so it's going to continue until we all get, come to this place of unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Once that's happened, then it says we will no longer be immature. Man, there should be any, well... I guess we all will have some level of immaturity in the church because we're all on a continuum, progressing. We won't be tossed and blown about uh, by every wind of new teaching, my God. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And this is a good, good verse right here. It says, as each part does its own special work. Like, okay, whatever your work is, whatever your work is, whatever your work is, when you do your part, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy. Healthy church. So the whole body is healthy. The whole body is growing and full of love. And we have to understand the difference between growing and swelling all right? There is a difference. Everything that grows is, is not healthy. I'm not, th- this is no, no pun on any big ministry at all. I'm just saying, because it's big, uh, that is not indicative that it is healthy and growing. Because it's small is not indicative because, uh, that, it, that it's not. Like, man, we, gotta, we, got, we, we, we figure that stuff out. And the way you figure it out is by being involved. And so the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. All right? So let's look at this. Let's look at this. I lead, uh, in, in other words, at the very beginning of this, to lead a healthy spiritual life, I must be submitted to healthy spiritual leaders. I ain't talking about leaders that go through something every now and then. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, I'm talking about spiritual leaders who are healthy, who have a track record. There's character. When they fail, do they fail, do they fall backwards or do they fall forward? Do they backslide or do they forward fall? And it's, I'm going to get up again. A righteous man falls seven times. He's still righteous. When he fell, he was righteous. He just made a mistake. He gets back up. All right. 
But to lead a healthy spiritual life, I must be submitted to healthy spiritual leaders. The very first verse in this book that I read to you says, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beg you. He said, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Live a life, man. Live a life worthy of your calling. So many people are living beneath their calling. They're living beneath their station. You are, that is not who God called you to be. God called you to greater. God called you to be, not be influenced by every little crazy doctrine out there. He called you to be an influencer, not to be influenced. He's saying, if you would just live a a life, lead a life, in other words, worthy of your calling, but in order to lead a healthy spiritual life, then I have to submit myself to healthy spiritual life leaders. I'm not telling you anything. Listen, I can't tell you anything that I don't live. I can't tell you anything. I can't expect you to do anything. I can't tell you to do anything. I can't challenge you to do anything that I either am not already doing or I'm going to do it with you. I submit myself to healthy spiritual leaders. I did it yesterday. I spent all day uh, being mentored, I, being poured into, pouring myself out, you know, letting people pray for me because I want to lead a healthy spiritual life. If I'm not healthy, that stuff bleeds out. I'm telling you, I bled on y'all before. You know what I'm saying? You know I have. I bled on y'all because, man, when you hurt, you bleed. When you cut, you bleed. And you might try to pat, bandage that stuff up, but, it, but you can look at the bandage and you can still see the blood underneath it. You're still bleeding. And all you can do, you just, you just keep going forward. You just keep going forward. And there are some people that are going to do verse 2. I believe it's verse 2 on this. There are some people that are going to be do verse 2, and there are some people that ain't going to give you the time of day. They're going to write you off, and they're going to hop over to the next church where, the, where they think the other leader is spiritual, healthy. They're not going to be humble. They're not going to be patient. They're not going to be gentle. They're not going to forgive me of my faults. They expect grace, but they don't give grace. Listen, don't put a demand on me that you don't put on yourself. You want grace, you want forgiveness, you want acceptance, you want, you want mercy, then you, then you, I need that. And I place a demand on you for it. I deserve what I give. If I sow, I reap. That's what the word says. And I have been so graceful with people. I have been so patient with people. So if I've been patient and I've been graceful, then by God... I can receive, I can demand, put a demand on that, that I receive grace. I need some grace right now. I don't go around asking for that a whole lot, but when I need it, I need it, you know? And so we gotta be around people. We've gotta submit ourselves to spiritual leaders. Look at this, Hebrews 13 and seven says it like this. Obey your spiritual leaders. Oh God, do we have to use these words? Obey Obey, submit, obey your spiritual leaders. That's what the word says. Paul's telling the Hebrews, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. What he's, what he's talking about here is in matters of ecclesia, in matters of the church, in matters of your spiritual life. I'm going to tell you what, man. 
You can tell somebody in their heart when they ain't living right and they're involved in ministry and you say, man, I need you to just step back a little bit. I ain't stepping back. They don't tell you that to your face. You just know that because after they leave, they go to another church and two weeks later, they're up on the team because you see them on the video feed live. And I'm like, you freaking rebel. You carrying witchcraft onto the stage. Like, they didn't call good enough. I'm serious. You want to see... You want to see how people will quickly, quickly, quickly cut and run. They're not going to practice verse 2. They're going to cut and run. There ain't going to be no obedience. Who are you, the pastor anyway? <laughs> For real. I'll take my talent somewhere else. Man, you can take your shoddy talent. You take your raggedy guitar. You take your keyboard you take your voice you take it you take it you take it because if somebody else will use that and and won't hold you accountable god forbid god bless them is all i can say because they're going to need it because the same stuff that you didn't get rid of here the same stuff you didn't submit to here the same stuff you didn't lay down here you're going to drag it up on the stage there oh it might be a while before it comes out but it will come out. It will come out. It says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they're accountable to God. Man, do you realize if, if I'm a charlatan, God knows it. If I'm a fake, God knows it. You might not know it. A few of y'all might know it, but God knows it. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm messing around with the church finances, but you don't know it, God knows it. And I'm just flat out telling you, ain't no man or woman of the word that is going to be ignorant of this stuff. That when we stand before him face to face, what? We do not get to get past him. We are accountable to him. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That they would certainly not, uh, and that would certainly not be to your benefit. What the, what the word is saying here, Paul's saying, listen, church, listen, church. Like, if you want to lead, he's like, I'm begging you, lead a life worthy of your calling. And in order to do that, you're going to have to submit yourself to spiritual leaders, but you need to make sure those leaders are healthy. Say the top part with me. To lead a healthy spiritual life, I must be submitted to healthy spiritual leaders. Let's look at the context, okay? Let's look at the context in which Paul is writing this. Paul is talking to the church about spiritual leaders. That's what's happening right here. Now, he's going to talk more to the church later, but right now he's talking to the church about spiritual leaders because he's saying, if you're going to live a life worthy of your calling, you are going to have to submit yourself to godly spiritual leaders. So I'm fixing to tell you what to look for. 
I'm going to lay it out for you what to look for, okay? So he's talking. That's the context. He's talking to the church about spiritual leaders. So you got two things. He's talking to the church, and he's talking to spiritual leaders, and he's talking about spiritual leaders. So you got two subjects here. The first one is ekklesia. That's the word church. It's Greek word. It means church. And what it means is a group of called out ones. So see, when I say that you know, we want to have a healthy church. I'm, I'm not talking about this thing. I'm not talking about this. Oh, I, lo- I love this. I, I love this. I love this church. This, no, 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 no. You, 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 you are the church. I love you. You and I are the church. He's talking about a group of people that have been called out. We've been called out from the world. So there's a calling. First of all, just come out of that into this. And then once you come into this and you get into this, I've got a great commission, a great call for you. And then there's other calls that we just fall into as we mature into faith. And it means an assembly of people called together for a specific purpose. Every church has the great commission. And so every church is, this is the way I say it, every, a lot of churches get their mission and vision mixed up. Vision is what your mission looks like. All right. Vision, we see, we look. Vision is what your mission looks like. Our mission at Destiny is truly the mission of every church. The two greatest commandments, which are really one commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, or all your soul, with all your mind and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. They're both equal. So love, it's a house built on love. But what does love look like? And in this house, love looks like a training center. That's our vision, to be a training center. I'm not trying to get you money. I'm not trying to build me a big house, get me a yacht. I'm not, I'm not interested in that stuff. Um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to build a big old fancy church. I'd much rather send that money overseas and pour into our local community. Um, What is our mandate? Our mandate on this house is to be a training center. I'm not interested in having, you know, don't don't let me lie to you because, man, I see these people on YouTube and stuff. I'm like, can I just get you in my flesh a little bit? Can I tell you when I'm in my flesh? I get in my flesh when I see all these folks putting their preacher out there on Facebook and Twitter and Instagrams and stories and all that. And they just, man, they're just going to town. And I'm like, man, I ain't on there. I need some clips on there. Where's mine's? Listen, that ain't our mandate. That ain't our mandate. That ain't our mandate. My mandate, the mandate of this house is not to put some cutesy little clips, and I'm not saying that they don't have meat behind those sermons, but you and I both know politicians, preachers, and anybody else can put some clips out there and put some cool music behind it, and man, it's just awesome. We preach the truth here. We, we preach it in love, but... We preach the truth because the truth sets people free. That's where transformation comes. But can I just tell you this? You got to stay somewhere. 
he's, uh, Margaret, he's just trying to get us to become members here. No, man, I, I actually talk people out of coming to our church. My, my wife tells me, you're the worst salesman ever. You're the worst salesman. It's like, just sell the car. You ain't got to tell him that the, I broke the, the antenna. That's it. Don't tell him I broke the antenna off going through the drive. And don't tell him the catalytic converter has been messing up. I'm like, man, I, my conscience won't let me let somebody drive away. I'm like, I, I, I can't lie good. She tells me. I try to lie to her sometimes. I ain't lying to you. I try to lie. <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, God, she knows I got that candy bar. Mm. She's like, did you eat my candy bar? Mm, no. See, I could lie really good when the kids, because, see, if, I ain't in, if I'm in another room, that is in my favor because she can't see my face. And when the kids were there, I could blame it on the kids. But I'm telling you, when you get older, your options start running out. And, and she's, she's like, Rife, did you eat my candy bar? I'm like, no, ma'am, no, I didn't. I think the cleaning lady ate it. <laughs> uh, but she knows, man, I cannot hide it. I cannot hide it. Um, I don't even know where I'm at, y'all. <laughs> but it's a fun ride, ain't it? So, so, you know, here we go. Here we go. All right. The ecclesia. We, we have to understand, like, character means a lot. We look at character. We look at the, the church, the ecclesia. You want to be a part. We all have a calling. You want to be a part of a church that is healthy, that is doing well. All right, look at this. So ecclesia. But then, look, it's talking about, the, he's talking to the church about leaders. So look, this is the modern church leadership structure. So you got the pastors, those are the guys who do everything. And then you got the people, ecclesia, that's the folks who sit out there and they listen to sermons. They listen to sermons. They don't go do them, but they listen. I'm telling you, this is the modern day structure of the church. Now we understand there are servants and in our church, we have a large percentage of our house that are servants. A large percentage of our house are servants. So don't think, you know, don't send me no hate mail. I'm just telling you, this is, the, this is the modern leadership of the church. Christ is the head. Don't nobody deny that. I mean, if you had a church that denies Christ is the head, get the heck out of Dodge fast. But don't nobody uh, deny that Christ is the head of the church. And then you have pastors who are the leaders of the church. And then you have the people who, they're, 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 the, they're the ones who need their spiritual diapers changed on a regular basis. They got a hangnail that they're going into the hospital tomorrow for, and they need four staff people. I'm telling you, man, I've been on church like, at churches like that, where it's a knee replacement, a knee replacement, and there are four paid full-time staff at the hospital. Why? Because Myrtle is the biggest giver. Man, I'm telling you what. No. That's the modern day structure of the church. And it's wrong. So there are a lot of people that they look at this and they go, well, look, we're looking in Ephesians chapter 4. Jesus lays it out. So this is what it really is. Jesus is at the top, head of the church. And then he gave some to be apostles, prophets, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So this 
is really the structure that Jesus lays out. <clears throat> no. Because 1 Corinthians 12, 28, if that were true, then 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says that here are some of the parts. These are some of the parts that God has appointed for the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, fourth, wait, hang, whoa, because this, this ain't matching up. This is not matching up to Ephesians 4. So it, it, was he writing in Ephesians or is he right in, in 1 Corinthians? He's writing both. He's writing both because that's not the model. What he's doing here, you, as you see him going down through here, he's saying second are apost- uh, prophets, third are teachers. And, and then he's, he's like, he just stops there. Almost like, you know, he's just rattling them off. I ain't giving you all of them. I'm just naming some of them, you know. And then he starts naming things that aren't even office type gifts that he gave in chapter four. He says, you know, so, so then there's others, there's healing, there's those who can help others, servanthood. There's, there's those who give, have the gift of leadership and those who speak in unknown languages. It's like, it's, it's like Paul is all over the place in his spiritual gifts. He's just naming, just, you know, just pulling lots of stuff. I'm like, I don't know if he was in a hurry, he had to speed this up or what. But we know from that that we can't have this thing, this hierarchy of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And this is more the structure that Jesus is laying out for us in Ephesians chapter 4. Nobody doubts that Jesus is the center. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 3 and 1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those who are called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's apostle, apostolos, Uh, I think it's called, uh, it's pronounced apostolos, which means messenger, high priest. This scripture right here says that Jesus is the first apostle. He's the very first one. He's the very first sent one. And what happens is because he is the chief apostle, the chief cornerstone, all of these others flow out of him. And they all work together. So this, instead of a, a hierarchy And I get me, listen to me. I have friends. I have ministry uh, uh, partners that that they they still ascribe to the pyramid. The apostle is up here, and uh, what what happens, man, with that is you got to be careful because every leader has a leader. Every leader has a leader. Every leader has a leader. Every apostle has a leader. And. We will never be at the place where we are the leader. We are the leader. What will happen is pride can move in. And all of the sudden, man, you'll find stuff that people are practicing that aren't, it is not anywhere in the Bible. Are you following me? And so, like, you got to be careful about that stuff. As a matter of fact, when you look at the, 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 the word apostle, let's look at some of these real quick. So these are the five ministry gifts. Christ gave to the church. I grew up hearing these uh, preached about, and it was called the five-fold ministry. But we don't even, I mean, you try to look up the word fold in the dictionary, it don't refer anything. It's talking about, a, you know, a, a, all kinds of stuff. You know, you flap something over like you fold a 
towel or something. Like, so I'm like, I don't, I don't really like to use that term, uh, especially to people who are, are brand new to this teaching. It's basically there are five gifts. You can call them offices, positions, whatever. But there are five leadership types in the church. And so the very first type is apostolos, apostles. And it means ones who are messengers. They're sent forth to set forth. All right? That's what an apostle is. They are people that are sent forth to set forth something. So there are times where I have been sent forth to set up a church somewhere. There have been times I've been sent forth. I was like, I was an apostle to Atlanta. Whenever I was sent there by God and calling of the man over me to go to Atlanta. My assignment in Atlanta was to go dig a church out from scratch. I'm an apostle to this house. I'm a sent one. But if I said to somebody in this house, listen, you know, Craig, I'm going to need you to go to Africa. I'm going to need you to go to Nigeria. I cannot go, but you're going to go. And this is your mandate. This is your mission. This is what you do. And so you're going to go over there. You're an ambassador. That's what an apostle is. You're an ambassador. You're going to represent this house. You're going to represent this mission, the calling on us. And you're going to go. So he's going in an, uh, he, he's not just going in an apostolic, like with, you know, an apostolic calling. He is, but you are actually an apostle. I know that messes up people's theology. Because, see, we've been taught that, like, you know, wait, wait, huh, huh, what? When, when we look at this, you have to understand real quick. Man, come on, Lord, help me finish. The word ecclesia or ecclesia and the, and the word apostolos, those weren't even church terms. Like, you understand, those are everyday Greek words. Like, Jesus, I hate to break it to you. But that's a common everyday name. His name was Bubba in Jerusalem. You follow me? Bubba, our Savior. Jesus, it's a common name, man. When, we, when, when we've grown up in church, we're in our little bubble. We, 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 we don't, because we, we heard these things all our life. Well, apostle was not an original church term. It was a Roman military term. And what that military term was is there were military figures called apostles that the, that the emperor would send into Jerusalem or Israel or, or wherever in the world because they dominated the world. They would be sent on assignment. Mm. And they would go into that, that place and they would, they would um, redefine the culture. My God, come on now. They would redefine the culture. They would go in where there was darkness and they would, they, they would make light. They would, they would go in and where there was one language, they would say, well, y'all can talk whatever language you want to, but this is, this is how the official business is going to be done in this language. He would go in and he would set up. He would, he would divide and he would conquer. That's what an apostle would do. So as the New Testament writers were writing this stuff, what they did is they, they, uh, they borrowed terms that were in the everyday vernacular and they're like man we're gonna send we gotta you know it's kind of like we're gonna send this guy to macedonia uh you know over to ephesus or whatever it's you know kind of like the romans sending an apostle that's what we'll call him we'll call him an apostle are you following me this is so good ecclesia is the same way ecclesia really was like a um uh almost like a congress 
It was a group called together, town meeting, and they would come there and they would meet for a very specific purpose. Man, I'm calling, go get all your friends. We're meeting down at the temple. Call call all your buddies, call them, and we're going to meet down there. And we're going to, you know, like they meet at the ecclesia, the Romans, they they meet down there, they get all the leaders together and they're meeting. We're going to call all of them because we got something to talk about as, as, as the, you know, ecclesia. That, well, let's just call it ecclesia. Are you following me? Yeah. So they grafted these words into our terminology and we use them like we don't know where they come from. But I just told you. All right. So apostles, they're sent ones. They're sent forth to set forth. But there are foundational apostles In Revelation chapter 2, verse 14, it says this, that in the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, that the walls are set upon 12 foundations, and upon the name of every foundation is the name of one of the original 12 apostles. They're foundational. These are the the OGs, you know. These are Jesus' OGs right there. They are the foundational ones. There are none like them. They walked in an anointing that I'm not going to walk in. I am an apostle. Some of you guys have been apostles, are apostles, but you and I are not going to walk in that uh, uh, anointing because that was a breaker anointing needed for that time. That was was an anointing for that time. And we're not going to walk in that. They're foundational apostles. But if you look Uh, at at this, uh, there are functional apostles. All right. So these are apostles that came after Jesus ascension, after he left, after he's gone. There are other apostles that are called to continue the work of the ecclesia. Are you following me? So there's foundational apostles. Those are the ones that walked only with Jesus. When Judas committed suicide and uh, they needed another one, they said, we're going to have to, uh, because they're foundational, we're going to have to find someone who has been with Jesus from the time he started his ministry until the time we saw him rise. And so they found Matthias. And he took, so you've got those uh, foundational, but then you have these functional Because after they're gone, see, we have this thing that we call, this is not in the Bible. The concept is in the Bible, but the, 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 so the concept is in the Bible, but not the phrasing. We have this thing called apostolic succession. All right, apostolic succession is basically when you boil it down to its most uh, basic form, is simply discipleship. Jesus, he called the disciples. He laid his hands on them. He breathed on them. They receive the Holy Spirit. Go out and try this. Cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. You know, do do all these things. Preach the gospel, all right? Go into all the world making disciples. What am I supposed to make them like? Make them like you. Make them like I made you. Oh, I'm supposed to rebirth them? Do you see what I'm saying? It's a succession. It's just a succession. So we, today, we are apostolically uh, 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 succeeded all the way back to the time of the original apostles and disciples. All right, you follow me? All right, so nowhere in scripture, nowhere in scripture, nowhere, everybody say nowhere. Nowhere Nowhere in scripture do you see Jesus saying, hey, I want you to go and make disciples. But now this whole thing about, you know, raising the sick, healing the sick, raising the, all that stuff, now that's just gonna be for y'all. Now don't don't, don't teach them to do that because that's just for y'all. 
Nowhere in scripture do you see that happening. The same things you have done, I want you to go and train others to do the very same things. All right? Um, so anyway, let's go to this. Uh, here's all the apostles that we know of in scripture. All right? First apostle is Jesus Christ. You're just going to have to take a picture of that because your eyes ain't going to get it all. And I'm not going to stay on this very long. So here are all the apostles. First, there's Jesus. He's the very first apostle. Then there are the foundational apostles. There's 12, really 13, because Matthias replaced Judas. And then there's the functional uh, or the functioning apostles. These are the ones that are carrying on. And those were the only ones. But listen to me. If the Bible was still being written today, I'm telling you without arrogance, I'm telling you without uh, any kind of heresy, that if the Bible was still being written today, that list would be so long and my name would be on that list. Because I would be a functioning apostle. All right? You follow me? But the, but the canon, the Bible, the, it's closed. So those were the only ones that were, that were recorded in the book. But today, there are functioning apostles in the church. But listen, and I, man, I, I, come on, Lord. I just probably don't need to say this because it sounds, I, I say it to kind of be funny, but sometimes it sounds like degrading, and I don't mean to be that way. All right. But we got to be careful because someone who is an apostle, um, you don't have to dress a certain way. You just look at Paul. I'm, I'm just telling you, Paul was an educated man. He was educated uh, uh, with, under the leadership of Gamaliel. He is educated. But do you know he gave all of that up for the call? He gave all of that up. He go, gave up. Pretty much he wanted to give up everything that was from his old world. But, but this is what happened. Paul, I mean, here's an educated man. And he's working making tents for a living. Do you know what that would equate in today's world? That would equate that I'm a, I'm a four-star general. Maybe five-star in the Roman army. I don't know. And I'm giving all of that up because I've gotten saved. I met the master. And now I'm working down at uh, Fred's garage because I can also be a mechanic. That's the apostle Paul. Does that make sense to y'all? Like the apostle Paul, when you look at him, he's like, man, he is down to earth. He does not require anybody to call him apostle. Now, I will call people apostle. People call me apostle, and I don't get upset about it, but I'm not going to make anybody call me apostle because I, I don't need a title. I don't need a title. I know who I am. I don't care if you think I'm an apostle or not. I know I'm an apostle. Me and Jesus had that conversation, and I can't go into it because our time is over. But I, I can tell you the day that God told me that I was an apostle, and I'm like, holy God. If I walk out of here and tell anybody that, they are going to think I am fruit loop, stone certified crazy. I didn't mention a word of that for 10 years. And then as I began to hang around kingdom people, they called it out in me. And they said, do you know that you are an apostle? And I said, yes. How do you know? And then they began to tell me. So it was validated in others before it was ever. I mean, Jesus told me. But I'm like, man, you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. But somewhere along the way, we got away from these things and we, we, we 
adopted this mindset of pastors being the leaders of the church. And I'm not saying a pastor cannot be the leader of a church. Listen, prophets, prophetes, spokespeople for God. They're seers. They can be forthtelling. They bring the church back into alignment. That's what prophets are. They bring the church back into alignment. When the church begins to drift, this person is a thus saith the Lord kind of person. Can there be false prophets? Absolutely, because there can be false apostles. There can be false pastors, false teachers, and false evangelists. I've met some of them. There's uh, evangelists. Uh, man, I can't even pronounce that one. It's like, evangelista. I don't know. But anyway, y'all get it. These are preachers of the gospel. The good news. They carry the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, and then there are pastors. Poimain. Poimain. Poimain means shepherd. It's only used 18 times in the New Testament. And every time, uh, save one, it's used as shepherd, a literal shepherd. A metaphor. Only time that it is used at translated pastor is in Ephesians chapter 4. So listen to me. This is, this is dangerous, man. It's like, so the modern day, the pastor leads the church. Is we, how did we get to Poimain? How did we get there? That the on, It's used 18 times and only one time out of the 18? I don't even know what percent that is. But that's the one we chose. Somebody chose for that to be known as the leader of the church. Listen, I don't have a whole lot of time to go into it right now, but can I tell you that uh, am I a poimain? Am I a pastor? Absolutely. I am, and I, I, I'm not just a pastor in title. I am a pastor at heart. I love people. I shepherd people. I care for people. I love people. But every leader of a church is not a pastor. Man, they ain't got no bedside manner. I mean, man, they just crass and, ugh. Like, I can't believe you just, man, some of my friends, I'm like, I don't even know how you are the leader at the church, man. You're so, whoa, dog. You don't have any bedside manner. Just, boom, tell it like it is. Why? Because they're prophets. Prophets don't miss. I ain't got time for your mess. Stop your crying. It's what the Lord said. Do it or don't. I don't care. Are you, that is that is a prophet, man. I ain't. I, it's some, I, you know, I I can be in that role, but I, I'm pastor. I'm like, man, this is what the Lord's saying. Oh, God, I hope you get it. I hope. Hey, you follow through on that word of the Lord, yeah? Because the pastor's coming out in me. Pastor's coming out in me. The prophets, man. But this is somehow, somehow, it wasn't my decision, but somehow somebody decided that pastors are the leaders of churches. And there's a lot of people in leadership at churches that they are not pastors. And that's why they don't have a connection with the people. Amen? All right. Teachers. Teachers. Um, uh, didaskalos. Instructors who correctly teach the word of God. Those are teachers. Instructors who correctly teach the word of God. Everybody that can teach a lesson is not a teacher. You can teach a lesson. That's great, but that does not mean that you are anointed to be a person who, is, who rightly divides the, the word of God. It doesn't mean that you can't do it. It just doesn't mean that that's, your, that, that that's your calling, all right? And so look at this. 
Are these gifts still Christ's model for the day? Because there are so many people. As a matter of fact, here's the Lord's sense of humor, man. I get in my car. I hardly ever do I listen to the radio on the way to church. And uh, the radio was on in my car. And it was uh, preaching on the prophetic and this, this guy was preaching, and he's like, uh, man, that's not for today, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I, listen to me, listen to me. Now, because God grows us up into maturity, that we will not be as children swayed about by every trickery that's preached to us, every new doctrine, like, so here I am. This guy's good, man. I'm listening to him. He's smooth. And I'm listening to him, and he's telling me this, and I'm like, Bro, you're just so far off. You're so far off. If I was not mature, I could be listening to that, and it's like, oh, man, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. His dude's telling me. That's, I'm telling you, he's smooth, and he's right on. But here's the deal. Are these gifts still Christ's model for today? Because there are a lot of people that say no, that this stuff does not operate in the church uh, today. But look at this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, and this will continue. What? Did it say it stops? And this, this will stop. No, it will continue. Like there's a continuum. A continu- well, how long is it going to continue? Until, until what? Until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son uh, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Well, when's that going to be? All right? Because I know the word, and you should too, I hope you do, Because I know the word, I can answer that question. When will that be? When I look him eyeball to eyeball. Because he who has begun a good work in me will bring it to completion on that day when I see him. That's the day that I will be complete in him. So it's necessary that we need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So say it with me. To lead a healthy spiritual life, I must be submitted to healthy spiritual leaders. All right, let's look at this real quick. How can I put this into action? Because if you don't put this into action, church, I've just been up here being funny and telling you some knowledge. This is what it comes down to. What are four ways that... I can live a spiritually healthy life. Here's the first one. Seek out healthy spiritual leaders. Seek out healthy spiritual leaders. Shay and I, we found ourselves a pastor and wife while we were in uh, college. Man, I ain't gonna even lie to you. I loved that church. I struggled in listening to my pastor. He is boring Oh, my God. I'm like, it was just not fun. It was just dead. And I'm like, God, I love this man, but he cannot preach. He just couldn't. And I I don't remember very many times when spiritually, you know, I'm like, dude, this is all spot on. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. But I knew that that was a man of God that he was spiritually healthy, that I was patient with him in his inability to preach. Are you following me? I was patient with him for four years. You, you, mm, mm, y'all don't know. 
I was in Cleveland, Tennessee, the headquarters of the Church of God World uh, Headquarters. Do you know how many churches was in that area, in that city? There were like 30 Church of God churches in that one city. These are men of God that I'm telling you what, if you said, could you preach me a sermon about Dunkin' Donuts? Good Lord, they would have an altar call and it would be full. Because just the way they preach, we could have gone anywhere in that city and had a master class preacher. But I found me a leader that poured into me, called me higher. We sought him out. We sought her out and they poured into us. And there's so much of our ministry that is, that, that, that is them because they were healthy spiritual leaders. Scrutinize the leaders. I don't mean pick them apart. I don't, you know, if you're going to have me for dinner, have me for dinner, dinner. Don't have me at the restaurant and, and I ain't even there to enjoy it while you discussing me and dissecting me. Invite me to dinner. Scrutinize means to carefully evaluate. Man, look at them. Look at their life. Look at their marriage. Man, my wife and I, we don't have a perfect marriage because a perfect marriage doesn't exist. But we got a great marriage. It's saucy a little time, you know? Sometimes it's saucy. I don't mean saucy like y'all thinking. I'm talking about saucy like, hmm, that stung a little bit. <laughs> you know, we, we're human. I try to show y'all that. But I've been with her for 35 years, 35 plus years my friend, that counts for something. I ain't been together with her for six months. I, I wasn't with her for 12 years. I've been three times that. Like that speaks for something. Nobody's ever accused me of stealing any money from the church in my 35 years of ministry. That speaks for something. Oh, look at him. He, 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 he. Oh, what's he doing? What's he doing? Stroking his ego. No, I ain't. I'm giving you my pedigree, man. I'm giving you my resume. I ain't been at umpteen kajillion churches. Why? I've been at one church for 15 years. I, I don't get a chance to rotate my messages. I preach all of them here in two years. Now I'm fixing to go to another church. I just re rotate all those messages. Man, I got to, no, I can't do that. Like, I've never been accused of messing around with another woman, another man, or a child. My God, that says something. Am I perfect? No. Are my children perfect? Absolutely not. But scrutinize. Watch me. I promise you I will stand up. And if I don't stand up in an area, I promise you I will man up. I will say thank you for bringing it to my attention. I will, I will improve. Scrutinize leaders because leaders are deceptive. There are false prophets, there are false uh, apostles, there are false teachers, there are pastors that will take you for a ride, use you, they will, they will suck every bit of life uh, out of you as a volunteer, and when it's time for you to need something, man, they ain't got time for you. That is not who we are here. Submit to their leadership. Submit to their leadership. You got to submit to the leadership of the house. I had a girl to tell me, woman really, to tell me, I don't like that word in the Bible. 
I'm like, well, Holy Ghost didn't choose you to write the Bible. You know? Like, and I'm glad he didn't. But when he says submit, submit to those leaders. Submit to the leaders. Like, I'm just going to tell you, I don't want nobody coming to me after church or anything like that, you know, blah, blah, blah. There are so few people, even in this church, there are so few people that, I, that if I said, uh, uh, don't do it. But if I said, y'all stand up if, if you submit to my leadership. I promise you, in this church, there would probably be 25% of the people stand up. Because we don't submit to anybody. That is the American culture. You're not the boss of me. I'm my own boss. That's not biblical. It's not biblical. You know, I submit myself to somebody, man. I submit myself. To, first of all, I submit myself to you. And y'all, some of y'all know it's true. I submit myself to you for correction, for reproof, for, for uh, pouring into me. But everybody submits to somebody. Submission means sub, under, I'm under somebody's mission, which is the next thing. Serve in the mission of those leaders. Like, serve. I don't care what your call is, man. Don't come to me and tell me what you want to do in the church. I ain't into creating a new ministry for you. I got ministry spots right now that need to be fulfilled. If you want to do it, then, then come serve this house. Serve, sub, under the leadership of this house. But until you get to that place, man, no, we can't get together. No, we can't get together. We can't be together. Not like that. I can love you. I can do my best to try to do whatever to bring you to a higher place. But, but we can't be together like that. Because I'm interested in the kingdom growing. I'm interested in me growing, and I am not going to pour myself out into people that are not growing. Well, that is so unshepherdly of you. No, it ain't. Jesus said, when you go into the town, y'all know where I'm going with this? When you go into the town, he said, here's what you do. You go into the town. You find whoever's open to you, and then you pour into them. If somebody in that town will not uh, follow you, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take your shoes off, and, and I want you, to, I want you to, 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 to dust your feet off, all right? Because the next place, you don't need to take that mess into. You don't need to take what you, what, what you experienced there into the new place. He said, there's other people in other places. They won't receive you. Stop pouring into people who have holes in the bottom of their buckets. And they will not receive from you. Shake it off because there's another town that will receive you. Go to those. How can you put this into... Because, Pastor Ralph, you told me all about this stuff. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. I really don't care. I don't, I don't really care about the leadership structure. I just want to come and enjoy, you know, blah, 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 the glory. Listen, that is not what God called us to do. God called us to be on mission. How can you be on mission? That's four ways right there. So seek out a spiritual, healthy leader. Scrutinize those leaders. Watch them. Uh, keep them in line. You know, when you, if you see a leader that's out of line, don't cut tail and run. You know, sit down and talk with the leader. Submit yourself to those leaders. And then serve the mission of that church. All right? 
Hey, I love you. This has been good. I don't care if you enjoyed it or not. I enjoyed digging this out.